Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I'm Hillary Kinney, host and producer of Holler, and I am so thrilled to introduce Jamila Northstar Brown. Jamila grew up in Rand, West Virginia, and after she attended Marshall, she actually left the state to live in New Jersey, where she grew a love for spoken word poetry. Jamila moved back to West Virginia, and she currently resides in Charleston, where she works as a counselor and an artist. I hope you all enjoy this week's episode. Not only did I get a chance to sit down with Jamila, but she actually performed one of her new spoken word pieces as well. I hope you enjoy, and please make sure you check the description for information regarding where Jamila works and some of her other uh, pieces as well. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Hillary Kinney with Holler Podcast, and I'm here with Jamila Northstar Brown. We are in Charleston, and I'm so pumped to interview Jamila. Um, she knows uh, a woman in Charleston that does a lot of really great work, uh, Jennifer Wells, who actually suggested Jamila for the show. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> Shout out to Jennifer. <laughs> um, and she suggested Jamila because she is a spoken word artist here in the Charleston area. She is from West Virginia. We'll get into that in a little bit. And I wanted to have her as a featured artist. And then I was like, wait a second, let's just go all the way with this and have a conversation and talk about your art, what has led you to um, the art scene here in West Virginia. And mm-hmm. so thanks so much for sitting down with me, Thank Jamila. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So Jamila is from Rand, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, what was growing up in Rand like? Where's Rand located? Okay, for, first of all, Rand, West Virginia, it's right outside of Charleston, literally like 10 minutes straight up Canal Boulevard, 60 off of Route 60. It's a little small town between Malden and Bale. That's where I grew up. But it gotcha. was the best, it was the biggest, smallest place growing up that I ever thought of. Wow. So growing up there, it was, you know, a lot of community growing up and family so a lot of my family members live in the same town too so it was nothing to have a grandmother over here and an aunt over here and a cousin over here and everybody just kind of looked out for each other yeah Yeah. how was um that sense of community kind of influenced your life today you think well, it just made you feel loved by everybody, and everybody was your mom, everybody was your dad. It just made you kind of open-minded about people, how you talk to different people, the respect levels, you know, because even though he was my neighbor, he could still be like my dad, and he could still yeah. give me instructions, <laughs> and he can still, still say, uh, the streetlights are about to get on. So Sammy Singleton, he was a guy in our community, and he was like everybody's dad. And so uh, growing up there, being able to just go to everybody's house and eat over this person's house for dinner, or just to go and play it just kind of just made you feel like just one big happy family honestly you really really did and I'm sure a lot of people in West Virginia can relate to that yeah absolutely that sense of community as well so you grew up in Rand Um, we were actually just talking before we started recording I'm uh, (laughs) went to WVU and of course you're a Marshall do you so you went to Marshall I went to Marshall I graduated from Marshall University what did you go hurt what did you study I studied psychology all right which makes sense because you're now a counselor can you tell us a little bit about your current work absolutely I currently work at the Charleston Job Corps Center and I am a counselor up there been there for about three and a half years and so and I love it I love it I love I love it I've been doing social work for probably about 18 years and so I just kind of always was in that field working with youth and young adults and so that just 
landed me where I am right now. Before that, I did work at uh, DHHR doing foster care and adoption. Okay. And so being at Job Corps now doing the counseling is just great. I love my students. They're awesome. What type of um, like counseling are you doing at Job Corps? So you I work do. primarily with young people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Job Corps is from 16 to 25. Gotcha. And so I have, you know, kind of like get, you know, into high school, but some college level students go there too. And so I'm a career counselor, so I help guide them making choices of where they're going to go, what they want to do, whether it's college, whether they just want to, you know, be, you know, end their vocation and take up their trade and start working. So that would be you know, my job while I'm there. I'm curious, um, as most people know, uh, West Virginia is struggling economically and mm-hmm. with and with job availability. Mm-hmm. Is that something that um, is a problem in your uh position as a career counselor no actually it's not are you talking about me specifically or the students or the students or just the way you're operating trying to find or help students find their path when there is limited availability for some things in the state well actually job corps is actually reaching out right now so if there's anybody that you know so i'm going to throw a plug real quick <laughs> Shameless job plugs corps, everywhere. Um, it's available and they kind of geared um each job corps in the city and the state you're in um to different type of uh, vocations. So if this city's not really big on culinary, they wouldn't have a culinary program here. They might have more of a uh, carpentry or an HVAC or something like that. But um, actually, Job Corps is in need of students. So the more students that we can get, because a lot of our students come from other cities, so it's regional. So it's not just students from Charleston. We have students from Baltimore, Philadelphia, D.C., Virginia. Uh, Even a couple may came from Kentucky, um, South Carolina. So we have different students students that come here to get the trade, but they'll actually go back to where they're from. And some actually relocate, but they usually go back to where they're from, where there's more job availability. And if there's not, that's part of the program, too, is to help them find where they want to live, because we can help them relocate, find places and other things like that. So, uh it. Got the gist. Yes. Well, I'll make sure to add details about Job Corps Absolutely. in the description that for the show. Awesome. So if anyone listening wants to learn more about um, your work in the and the program, they can. Absolutely. So not only are you a counselor, mm-hmm. but you are a spoken word artist. Yes. So how did you... Have you always been into art your entire life? Or how did you come about starting to do spoken word? Well, it was probably like sixth grade. I just liked poetry. And so from that, I really didn't, I always, you know, had the little journal, my little diary, and and I'm like jotting down notes. So I've always been a writer, but I've always loved music too. So the spoken word part came through the poetry. It wasn't really until, um, in college I got into more spoken word, but it wasn't really until I relocated to New Jersey after college that they had a broader um, underground scene for like spoken word. Community. Yes, and it was so much more, it was so bigger, so I could go from where I lived in New Jersey or catch a train to New York and participate there. So since the culture was so big, that's when I really started getting into the spoken word and, you know, seeing the slams and things like that. So that's where that stemmed from. What um, what are the subjects that you enjoy writing about and, and, and performing? A variety or are there things that stick out in your work? It's a variety. It's kind of whatever God gives me to write, I write it. Because it's, sometimes it's sporadic, but it's usually um, realistic, real life issues. Um, if there's something going on, in the, you know, like when they had all the shootings and things mm-hmm. like that, I write about that. If it's politics, I write about that. So it's really not specific to one 
idea or topic. It's just kind of however it hits me. It could be about love. It could be about family. It could be about drugs and alcohol. It could just be suicide. I mean, anything. Yeah. Um, you, you were talking earlier before we started recording. I always have a pre-conversation. <laughs> That's off the record. <laughs> but um, Crystal Good was on the show. Mm-hmm. She's also a poet mm-hmm. in the States. Um, and you were um, talking about the arts community here in Charleston mm-hmm. and how you would come to meet people through the Arts Walk here mm-hmm. in Charleston. How does the art scene in West Virginia compare to that in New Jersey and New York? <laughs> well, it's growing. Yeah. And so, like you were talking about, too, before this, but it's a small community. And so everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, but there's not a lot of, when we talk about spoken word, there's not a lot of spoken word. And let me back up a little bit. The spoken word that I do is just, I mean, it's poetry. But um, I had started this thing called Vocab Rehab. And it was open mic. And you were able to come in and do your poetry. That's and we cool. did that for about a year. And we've actually, our last show in a year was about in October. Okay. But we were having issues with venue, finding a venue and be able to stay at a venue because it would be smaller here, then it would grow, and then it would get too big. And so um, the poetry scene that I usually, there's no profanity. There's no, there's, you know, because we may have it for family. I want families to be able to come and listen. So if you wanted to bring your child in, you wouldn't have to worry about profanity mm-hmm. or really sexually explicit lyrics. So we wanted to keep our stage clean. So my husband and I, who is Malik Brown, shout out to Duality. <laughs> he, um, you know, we had our open mic set here. So compared to other cities, we have it. But I'm glad you're doing this because it needs to get out. It needs to be brought in because there are a lot of people who are talented and who are gifted in it, but they either don't know there is a scene or it's an on and off scene. It's right. like it's hot and then it's cold or it's hot and then it's cold. And so you have to get in different rooms and meet different people. But I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, okay. definitely. That was great. And I, um, you know, West Virginia is struggling. <laughs> it is. It's struggling it um, is. in a lot of ways. It is. What type of role do you think like art plays in the future and, and the growth of this state going forward in the next, I don't know, decade, half a century? year (laughs) it it, it plays a big role because you want to tap into a little bit of everything you know and if you want to make it more cultural you know what I mean you got to tap into the art and you know like in Charleston they're doing like um the paintings on the buildings and you know restoring our west side of town or whatever and they're doing that and so they're I'm actually calling people to do that so I think the more you involve art whether it be spoken word whether it be actual art and painting whether it be fashion whatever it is um we need to broaden that you'll bring more people to the area which will help the city grow and bring more money back and more jobs so I think it's very important that we really tap into the art and people attend it I think it's here but a lot of people may not know about it It maybe a small portion of people that know about it but it needs to be broadened because people think oh there's nothing to do there are things to do but if you don't know about it or if it's not marketed and you don't you know then you may not you won't even know about it exactly Oh, on the same note of bringing more people to the state or keeping people here, you originally from here, you mm-hmm. move. What what motivated you to move, and why did you come back? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I knew, I always knew, like, I'm from West Virginia, but I've always had a heart for large cities. I have families in other cities, right? <laughs> so my aunt, she lived in New Jersey, and so she would, every summer, she would get me and my cousin, and we would go to New Jersey every summer. She would take us to New York, and we'd go to the Statue of Liberty, and downtown, and Times Square, and catching the train. So that was exciting to me, because we didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, here. Totally so different. Totally I mean, different. So I've always had a bigger dream than Charleston because I didn't really see what I, you know, growing up, I didn't really see everything I wanted to be. There wasn't the Broadway plays, there wasn't that. And so after I finished college, I moved there for opportunity, you know, to work, which that happened. And so I stayed in New Jersey for about 10 years. Like I said, got on the poetry scene, did some singing and things like that. Moved to Atlanta, Georgia, okay. you know, stayed there and did something. I ended up here by default. Can we be really honest? Yeah. I did not want to come back to West Virginia. I did not. Why? Because being in that city and seeing the melting pot Mm -hmm. and the differences of so many different people. I had friends who were Jewish. I had friends who were vegan. I had friends who were, you know, gay. I had friends who were Spanish. I had friends. And we hung out like there were no differences. And so I didn't really see that. Really growing up in West Virginia, it was black and white. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have that cultural part of it. And so that's what I loved about being, you know, being away so coming back here um, by default, I'm just going to leave it that it was by <laughs> default, I came back to West Virginia. But I am glad I came back, though. Why? I'm glad I came back because, for one, um, like my husband, my, my father passed away. I see. So I wasn't going to be here. I usually wouldn't have been home. Right. But I was able to come back, see him before he passed away and all that. But in that, I have met other people like a Crystal Good, shout out to Crystal Good because I have to, to give Crystal her that. Good. Because since I came back here, I was still able to um, work with. Uh, actually, I don't even know how Crystal got my name from somebody or how that even happened. But with her, I worked with the Block Project, and then you know she introduced me to other people, so I started doing camps. But then I was able to establish my own business since I've been back here. Oh, you started so your own business. I started my own business being back in West Virginia. Who would have thought, right? Ah. So coming back, even though it's smaller, you have to be creative. Yes. If you want something different. So if you want something, create it. The create West Virginia, you right? You have to go to the opportunity. Right. It's more than likely not going to come to you. It's not. And so if you're, in, if you're in West Virginia, if you want something, you have to do it. So I'm a creative person, so what not to do but be creative. So I was able to establish the vocab rehab, get the business going, establish, trying to establish my brand and things like that. So being back here has allowed me to um, do the things that I, I never did, completing a CD, a poetry CD. I hadn't done that. I had done poetry out. So it made you kind of focus on yourself and what was missing to make it whole. It's also like, um, I also love New York City. (laughs) I hadn't hadn't been to a city like New York until I had graduated high school. So now I'm obsessed. I have to go and visit all the time. But the the (laughs) good thing about West Virginia is that I feel like people are pining for new things. Yes, they are. as often as we say, oh, West Virginia, it's not progressive or right. everyone's stuck in their old ways. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do create something fresh and something that provides a positive experience for people, I meet very few people who turn that down. It, it, it's right. a lot. I always right. see at least some people turning out and who are interested and yes. supportive. So yeah, right. it's like West Virginia is a good 
place for people who have a very entrepreneurial spirit absolutely and are motivated to like make a change and make a difference absolutely um i really would love um are you prepared to perform absolutely some for us today awesome so we can wrap up this interview Mm -hmm. i will um get you some time to prepare whatever you need to do and uh, actually before we do that how can people learn more about you and your work do you have a website or or should people add you on facebook or what's the best yeah they can add me on facebook at um, working on the website And, and let me say this before we end up real quick i'm here representing the um, quote-unquote, not really underdog, but someone who's hasn't quite got there yet, but you're on your way there, and you have the initiative, and you have the drive, and you have the you know vision and imagination to do it. So I'm here representing all those people in West Virginia, or even throughout the world, who think you cannot do it. You can really do it, man. And you can start it in West Virginia. You really, yes. really can. It might be difficult, and you will have to push the envelope, and you'll have to you know take nobody showing up at a show and do another show. Maybe you have five people, and you do another show, and you'll have ten people. And so I'm just here to say, you know, you have to keep pushing and you can't get discouraged by the lack of what you can't see. You know, you have to keep pushing through all the naysayers, all the people who don't believe, you know, in every, in any city, really, mm-hmm. you know. But in West Virginia, particularly because I'm from here and I know I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, like you're saying, what's not here, you know. But don't complain if you're not going to contribute to it. Exactly. Don't complain. Exactly. Just say thank you and I'll go see that. So until you get up and do it yourself, support, 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 support Hillary in the Holler Podcast. You know, <laughs> support you. everybody. Out, you know, and so um, yes, yeah, I, I just I just had to say that. I just no, really wanted to say I mean, that. Definitely. Um, and you know, growing up, having just finished college, um, a lot of my life I've been afraid of failure. Of course. I was like, oh, starting a podcast, like that sounds really intimidating, but I feel like it's something I need to do. Right. Well, um, you're never going to find success unless you fail or unless Absolutely. you struggle. So I love what you had said about, you know, you might have a show and no one might come. Right. But if you have a second show, five people might come. Absolutely. <laughs> Failure right. is the well, mother of success. I love that underdog mentality. Um, and West Virginia needs that. We need to be supporting one another in our creative ventures and business ventures and everything. And reach outside of your comfort zones. Mm -hmm. I just heard a quote the other day. I know you said we're going to stop. Oh, (laughs) no. Keep going. I love it. (laughs) But I just heard this quote the other day, and it it said, um, it was by, his name is Bishop Bronner. He's out of uh, Georgia. He said, your success lies at the edge of your comfort zone. If that is not profound, it's right there. If you just move a little bit. Right over the edge. (laughs) It's right over the edge. And you could be right there and don't even know it, and then you're ready to give up. Mm -hmm. So if you think that your success is at the edge of your comfort zone, push, push the limits. Push the limits. All right, let's keep pieces called Our Kids, Our Future. I believe the children are our futures. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter Remind us how we use
used to be. As children, we used to play all day. No cares in the world, nothing to carry into the world besides laughter and images of family. Some intact, some broken. Some images are held in secrets and recipes and tradition and religion and family gatherings and holidays. If our children are our future, why does social media teach them more than our schools? How come get out has replaced time out? Because so few seem to have time to nurse or to read nursery rhymes or little golden books. Instead, they're nursing time and counting days to the first of the month when another child is born, increasing EBT value, decreasing rent and home quality because these are townhomes, they say. Yep, ones you'll never own. So they're subsidizing more values and equalizing dollars without sense. That's minimizing. Also that the image of family can sit perfectly imperfect. A five by seven picture in a 10 by 13 frame. Our children, our future, so futuristic. Yet so far away from reality, unconscious, walking dead, and you're too scared to ask a young man to remove his hat indoors or pull up his pants. But our American daughters, they're slaughtered in selfies, self-absorbed and insecure, pseudo-mature, missing their daddies and mocking the mothers who say, do as I say and not as I do. Bathing in bath and body works to disguise the scent of low self-esteem, covered in the latest fashions or hiding behind jewels or hijabs or saris or changaos or quadro dresses. Vanity lurks, hiding the power within. And our sons are targeted, misdirected, and voluntarily selected to participate in the modern form of Jim Crow, but through ear and eye gates, swinging on rustic hinges, contaminated by music, Lucifer's lucrative business, making negative seem positive and positive seem negative. The Khalif Brower documentary said it. And our future is bright, challenged, our, our children, but I believe the children are our futures. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter Remind us how we used to be. All right. So All right. my life has completely changed. <laughs> that was incredible. So when did you write that? Is that new? Actually, I did. That's why. Because I wrote this for the, um, it was for the West Virginia uh, Healthy Healthy Kids in Action. Okay. And I took, I run a poetry group at Job Corps, and we actually went there. Oh, awesome. And did some spoken word there. And so that's one of my newer pieces that I've written. When did, so when did you start writing that, like, or wrap it up? Um, I don't know when that, when that day was. That was, oh, man, I want to say. I don't even remember. October? <laughs> October, October, like October? It doesn't even matter. I was just curious. Yeah, I think it was October. I think it was October. What is your process of writing like? 
Um, it's just kind of how it downloads. It's not like I just sit down and start right. writing. That's something that I really can't do. I just don't sit down with the pen and just start writing. It kind of is like inspiration, just like spurts of inspiration. I mean, I could be looking at a sign and words will start coming. Like literally it's like a download mm. of just words and different things. What is like, um, what would you hope someone would take away from hearing this piece as like the big takeaway or like the general message of it? Cause it's very powerful. Um, just, it's about, we, I mean, we're older now, but we have to start with the young. We have to groom them now, whether it's art, whether it's journalism, whatever it is, we have to reach back and pull them forward. We can't be afraid to dive into their their realm of what they're getting, their music, their style, their fashion, you know, their culture, their religion. We can't be afraid to talk to them. What is your favorite thing about the younger generation today? Oh, man, they're just... Uh, they have no fear. They don't. They do, especially, I mean, they're really different from when I was growing up, but, <laughs> you know, they take more chances and they're a little bit more edgy. But the reason I love working with the youth is that they keep me fresh. So I'm always on top of the latest music. I'm always on top of the latest fashion, the lingo, the language, the, you know, the slang, everything, you know, and where I work, there's so many different cities and you realize different students from different cities have mm-hmm. different things that they say and they dress a different way, so you'll be, in the rec- you'll be able to recognize that. So, you know, from that poem, just recognizing that our children are our future, and we have to not forget about them. Invest in them. Invest in, in them. More than one way. And even if we are starting our own business, even if we're our parents, we can't forget about them going on with our life, we have to bring them forward because those are going to be the, they are going to be the future. So if we're not helping them and we're not schooling them and we're not teaching them. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget how quickly like technology is also evolving. Technology, and how, absolutely. I mean, I'm only 22, almost 23 and I work with high school students and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we're around the same age. It's fine. And then I just realized I have no clue what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they, they school me it, a lot of days. It's they frightening. Do. But also refreshing, and they, it is. they keep you uh, updated. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add about this piece in particular, or just your work, or in general, spoken word? Um, spoken word is an art, and some people think it's not. Sometimes they don't consider it real poetry because it's not a form like a haiku mm-hmm. or you know a quatrain or something like that. Oh, you're just talking. No, it's art, and with spoken word, it's personal. You know, and uh, it's a lot of emotion and a lot of soul that goes, you know, into it. And so um, I just think people could be more open-minded about the spoken word. And it's not just poetry. And it may not be as beautiful and the words may not be put together. But it's it's coming from that person. So whoever, you know, that artist is and they're bringing it forward, it's their truth. It's what they see or it's what they want others to see about a situation or an environment or a city or whatever it is. Spoken word is really as if you are just trading places with a person performing. It's that person. Absolutely. It's, it's you a, see it's, and hear and feel things through their right. perspective, and that's amazing to me. That's what I love about it. Well, thank you so much thank you. Thank you for so taking much the time for to me. meet with me. I am so excited to put together this episode, um, and I know that it's going to have a lot of positive feedback. So I'm already looking forward to Absolutely. seeing what everyone has to say, not only about your piece, but... Um, just your work here in the state. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank Thank you you all for tuning in.